Our scripture this morning comes from Romans chapter 6. I'll be reading the first 14 verses. Follow along with me. What shall we say then, Paul writes? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For we shall no long, sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace." It is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, to get a fuller sense of what Paul is addressing in this scripture, let me go back and pick up just a couple of verses, the last two verses of chapter 5 in Romans, so you can hear where Paul picks up in chapter 6. The last two verses of chapter 5. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ. Paul seems to be reminding his readers that sin will never increase beyond the point where grace is bigger and more powerful than the sin that the grace covers. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more, he said. That truth will never change. Grace will always be more powerful than sin. But Paul's responding to an apparent distortion of that truth that was common in his day. A distortion of the truth that addresses he addresses when he begins in chapter 6. So he begins with, so, what? Do you think you should sin more 
so that grace increases more? And he answers uncompromisingly, heavens, no, not a chance. By no means, Paul said. Well, imagine, if you will, remember the story of the prodigal son. Imagine that in that story, the prodigal comes home from the far country and discovers not only forgiveness, but a feast. We read that part of the story in Scripture. But what if a few weeks later, a few months later, he thinks, hey, you know, that whole confessing and requesting forgiveness thing works so well, maybe I should do it again. I'll just head out for that country far away again and send some more. And I know when I come home again, there will be more forgiveness, more feast. In essence, he would be acting like the greater the sin, the greater the grace. It was that type of thinking that Paul was addressing as he writes in Romans chapter 6. And what he wants his readers to understand is that's not the way this is supposed to work. God's grace will always be offered abundantly. There's no reason to try to manipulate God into giving more grace. God already wants to do that. So in response to this distortion, Paul teaches them or reminds them of the constant victory grace has over sin in our lives which when we come which we come to know in salvation paul wants us to be clear that this is a once and for all although it is a continuing work of grace accomplished in our lives through the death and resurrection of christ and by our joining christ in that death and resurrection through our baptism into the body of Christ and our ongoing journey in Jesus. Now, Paul gets their struggle. He understands that this is a struggle that most Christians have from time to time. I mean, we don't want to sin. We don't want sin to be the ruling power in our lives. But then there are these reoccurrences of sin occasionally. Paul gets it. Listen to how he describes his own battle with the same thing. We're going to jump to Romans 7 for just a minute. I'll be reading at verse 15 and a couple of verses following there. These are Paul's words about his own battle. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate... It's what I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Does that struggle sound at all familiar? I mean, like maybe it could be a part of all of our own spiritual autobiographies. 
Paul wants his readers to know, though, that this is not a hopeless, lost battle. It's a real battle, but it is not hopeless. He wants his readers to understand that God's grace continues to work in our lives to infuse the victorious power of Christ's death and resurrection into our, our hearts and lives as we live them daily. Listen to how this scripture deals with past, present, and future of this grace-filled, transformational power of salvation through Christ. First, Paul tells them, you have been saved from the penalty of sin. Paul writes in the past tense here in verses 6 and 7 that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Past tense. It's already happened. The guilt has been removed. The burden of that struggle is lifted. The penalty for our sin, past, present, and future, has been paid. We've been freed. All of these phrases use some form of past tense verb, declaring that the work has already been done and the victory has already been accomplished. Second, we read in a future tense, you will be saved from the presence of sin. Paul writes, sounding in the future tense, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be, we will be future united with him in his resurrection. He wants the readers to understand our salvation is accomplished, but it's not really complete because God's still doing that work in our lives. Future tense to salvation. One day we'll be united with him in his resurrection and we'll forever be freed from the presence of sin and will enjoy the uninterrupted presence of God. And then third, you are being saved from the power of sin. Present tense. Paul writes, the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life. Jesus has set us free not only from the guilt of sin, but also from its addictive power. We don't need to sin anymore. Sin shall not be your master, Paul said, verse 14. You heard it count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. You don't need to obey sin's evil desires. This is present tense, the present tense of salvation. You are being, continue to be set free from the power of sin as you offer the parts of your body to Jesus as instruments of righteousness.
I believe that many Christians wrestle with recurring sin. And that we need to be both reminded that there is grace again and again, but also reminded that we don't have to settle for forgiveness only. Anybody who has struggled with sinful attitudes or behaviors that repeatedly make us feel defeated over and over again, we understand the need for forgiveness. But we also should understand the need to be released from that burden of the repeated struggle with sin. We need more than forgiveness. We need to be freed in that and because of that forgiveness. Freed. Freed from anger. Freed from bitterness. Freed from hatred. Freed from judgmental attitudes. Freed from addictive behaviors. Paul proclaims good news in verse 7 of this chapter 6 of Romans. Anyone who has died as in died with Christ, risen with Christ. Anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Most of us know we can be forgiven. Most of us know we are forgiven. But do we understand that we can also be freed? Many, most people, maybe not all, are currently feeling bound, tied down, weighed down by this whole COVID-19 thing. We have to do social distancing, which means no handshakes, no pats on the back, no hugs. I've heard people say, I haven't got a hug or a kiss on the cheek from my children or grandchildren in months. Others haven't even seen their family in person for weeks and weeks. We can't have normal church gatherings and share life together. Those of you who either work for a school system or have children in those schools feel uncertain about returning to school and what that might look like and wondering, is it going to be okay if we do? Some of you haven't worked much or at all during this time and you're feeling the financial pinch grow. People who find that now they have a cough or a fever or other symptoms of various illnesses can't help but wonder if they've got coronavirus. COVID-19 has created a lot of weight. People are carrying around that we can't seem to be free of. Even when we get to take our masks off for a little while, we have to put them right back on soon. We can't escape them for right now. But the time is coming when we'll be free. Vaccines and quick, effective treatments will be the norm. We'll be free from the burden, from the restrictions, from the worries, even free from these masks. We'll be completely released from all the concerns and effects of this virus on our lives and we'll rip the masks off, feeling like new people, free of the virus. Paul says, this is what's already happened in relation to sin. 
The victory's already won. We've already been set free. Not just forgiven of our latest episode of sin. Free. More than forgiven. Freed from the power of sin. We sang about it in a couple of different songs already. This freedom comes as we share in the death and resurrection of Christ who makes forgiveness and freedom possible. The good news for us today is that we can absolutely be freed from the presence and the power of sin. Not by repeatedly sinning so we get to be forgiven again and experience more grace. That's where Paul started this chapter. We are the forgiven people of God and always have available that gift of forgiveness. Being freed means that we experience complete victory over the power of sin in our lives. That's exactly what Romans 6 calls us to. Let me read this part one more time. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Among other things, Paul is calling forth a new life for members of the body of Christ. What we have become, what we continue to become, will not allow us to go back to being our old selves. Going back, as, as in submitting again to the power of sin to rule our lives, would almost be like persecuting the body of Christ all over again, as if repeatedly causing Christ to suffer for us again and again. And I know sometimes it feels like that maybe we've done that and might still do it occasionally. But we don't have to continue that as the habitual controlling force in our lives. The victory's already won. Christ has already freed us beyond forgiven, freed us from the power of sin. Have you ever been surprised by someone's behavior that perhaps was not the best behavior, not consistent with who you know them to be? I mean, you might even think to yourself, or maybe, maybe you even say to them, you know, that's not really like you. What's going on? That's what Romans 6 is saying to us. That's not like you. That, meaning continued to be, continuing to be ruled by sin, that is not like a child of God transformed by grace. It's not like us if we've shared in the death and resurrection of Christ and been freed from sin. It's not like us because we are new creations in Christ Jesus and our lives should reflect daily 
the fact that we've been freed from sin. As much as we want to be free of the whole COVID-19 thing, God wants us to be free of the power of sin even more. In this passage, Paul not only tells us it's possible, he tells us it's already done as we participate in the death and resurrection of Christ and yield to the transforming power of grace. We are no longer bound by sin. We have been set free. Our chains are gone. We've been set free. That is the good news for us today in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Come, the long-expected Jesus, born to set your people free. Continue to free us from anything that would bind us, that would weigh us down. Continue to free us from the ruling power of sin in our hearts and lives. Remind us daily that because of what you have already accomplished, we are freed. Help us to live as the freed children of God this week. Enjoying, celebrating our freedom in Christ, not because we made it happen, but because you did. For our forgiveness, for our freedom from the power of sin, we give you great thanks today in the name of Christ. Amen.